Hello and welcome to In Focus. This is the one-on-one interview show here on the Mojo Sports Network. I'm one of your co-hosts for this season, Alexander J. Our first guest of the new season might be known to some of you. You can hear him weekly on the NBA show here at the network, and you can read some of his articles on sites like theraw.com. Our first interview for the season is sports journalist Tom Dev. Tom's based out of Melbourne. Uh, at time of publishing, he's currently abroad between Boston and New York on a quest to see as many basketball games as he can while overseas. This interview was recorded right before the start of the NBA season a couple weeks ago, and we touched upon this upcoming trip really briefly. We touched upon him living overseas as a teen and how he got into sports writing, writing letters to his father who lived overseas. Don't worry, it's not an NBA-heavy discussion if you're not a basketball sicko like Tom and I are. Anyway, I appreciate you joining us over the next hour for what I think is a really fun conversation, and I should know I've had to edit it a couple of times. Anyway, enough of me. Here's Tom. Okay, welcome Tom to uh, the first episode of this season's edition of In Focus, the show where we get to know people around the periphery of sports a little bit more. Now, um, welcome Tom, you can say hello. Hi, excited to, excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks again for joining me. We know each other a little bit. We've been working on the NBA show for the last three or so months, but I know like three things about you and this is what they are, okay? I know that you uh, live in Melbourne. I know that you love the Boston Celtics and I know that you've had like six or seven surgeries on your knees from playing rugby union. That's my Tom knowledge. So hopefully by the end of today, I know a little bit more about you because it's always fantastic every week to jump on the NBA show. We have really good chemistry with everyone, but I want to know a little bit deeper about you, about your experience, about sport and what it means to you and all that kind of thing. So again, I appreciate you joining me. Um, anything to say? Where are you from? Tell me about you. What's the 60 second pitch on Tom Dev? 60 second pitch. All right. Well, if we're going NBA draft combine kind of style, I'm about 6'3", 90 kilos, uh, <laughs> bad, bad knees we just covered. Uh, yeah. So lived in, lived in Melbourne pretty much my whole entire life. Um, although I did spend a stint uh, in Hong Kong when my father uh, had right, there. Yeah. So from 2010 to about 2014, I was living in Hong Kong um, and then moved back to Melbourne for boarding school for a few years uh, and then went back and forth. Uh, to Hong Kong and not sure if you've ever been to Hong Kong, but it is a very fun city, even for someone under the age of 18. <laughs> um, won't go into too much depth there, but no. And then, yeah, moved back uh, well, Melbourne since I was 14 for boarding school and then stayed here for uni uh, and then did a Bachelor of Sports Journalism up at La Trobe University in Melbourne. Very interesting. Um, I might be slightly older than you, but a Bachelor of Sports Journalism at La Trobe was very attractive to me as a young man as well. So similar paths. Um, you mentioned Melbourne. Have you stayed in one area or you moved around the suburbs? Yes. No. So pretty much stayed in the one area. So currently we are in my childhood house still. Um, so when, when I moved Lovely. to Hong Kong, it was, it was rented out, but then came back. Got it back. So no, still still in the same room that I was when I was, you know, one years old. So and, haven't moved gr- too far. Well, that's that's handy. All your stuff's still in the same place. But growing up in Melbourne, I imagine like all of the sports kind of imprint themselves on you. AFL usually very big to Victorians. Do you follow a particular team? Are you living in a in like a Carlton or a St Kilda or something like that? No, no. So I'm in one of the outer suburbs in uh, Glen Iris, but I, I do follow AFL. Not as passionately as I used to once, but uh, no, nah, huge St. Kilda fan. Um, who, you know, I know you're not too familiar with AFL, but they're celebrating their 150th year this year and they won one premiership in <laughs> years. And that was in 1966. So I uh, have not had much joy when it comes to them. Overdue, I'm hearing. Overdue. No, I, I, I'm up in uh, North Queensland, mate. So not much of an AFL guy around me. I watch a couple of games a year, but no. Um, so talk to me about your family structure. We'll get into some sports stuff in a bit, but to know a bit about you, you mentioned you, your dad lived overseas in Hong Kong or everyone lived overseas in Hong Kong. What was that like? Are we talking like a, a, a teenager just exploring Hong Kong? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So, I mean, when I lived there full time, I was about 10 to 13, 14 years old, um, which, you know, I wouldn't say we did most of my exploring at that age, but, you know, out and about. Um, and I went to an Australian international school up there. Yeah. So I was surrounded by quite a few Aussies um, there. And it is a very big sort of expat culture. A lot of Aussies, Brits, New Zealanders all over the world basically moved to Hong Kong. Um, similarly, Singapore as well. Yep. Um, and, you know, I loved my time there. It was, you know, one of the highlights. I, I would happily go back if I uh, had to. <laughs> 
Um, I don't imagine there's much of a sporting culture in Hong Kong. I'm just racking my brain to think about what I know, but is there much of a sporting culture or did you not really care too much about sports at that age? No, uh, so there actually is quite a big culture. Um, so like soccer is massive there. Um, and then one of the biggest sports, especially among expats, is uh, rugby union. Yeah, um, right. So that, that was the go-to sport pretty much once I moved up there. And um, yeah, every year they have a, a rugby sevens tournament, which is the biggest one in the whole entire world pretty much where it's basically just, you know, 40 odd thousand people, you know, having, having a bit too much fun for three days straight while uh, rugby happens to be going on on the side. So I'm guessing that's how you got drawn into rugby union. Um, I don't know if you much, if you played much while you were at La Trobe or if it was in Hong Kong, tell me about uh, rugby union. Did you have a position you played? Do you have particular memories? We'll get to the surgeries in a bit. Yeah. So when I moved uh, to Hong Kong, I had no idea what rugby union even was because in Melbourne, we just don't really care that much about rugby union. Uh, And then so first day of school, you know, out out at recess, a couple of kids are playing rugby, uh, touch rugby. I asked her to join in uh, and they throw me the ball and immediately I handball it like an AFL footy about 10 (laughs) metres directly in front of me and they tell me to go away. Uh, But eventually, you know, I, I picked it up. Uh, and I wasn't too great at the time because I was, was learning, but you know, loved it. Um, it you know, it is a fun sport to play, especially when at that age I was quite bigger than uh, most of my opponents. So it's probably one of the biggest sports where it is fun, where you just run into other people. Um, and then when I moved back to Melbourne for boarding school, uh, you know, I, rugby union here is so small that I went from being one of the worst players in Hong Kong to, you know, one of the better ones in my year level just simply because of the experience. And also, again, height, weight gave me a massive advantage (laughs) over the other kids. Um, And then, yeah, I played through until the start of 2017. And that's that's when my my knee injury happened. Lovely little thing, ACLs, aren't they? So I'm assuming it was an ACL. It wasn't anything MCL. You could have done everything. The one thing I know about you is you've had multiple knee surgeries. Um, Tell me about the first one and what that kind of feels like to someone growing up and wanting to do everything in sport. And then like you're restricted in this physical capacity, which is just super annoying. Yes. Well, I I resisted the urge to correct you before when you said it happened because of rugby, because unfortunately it hasn't happened because of rugby. Ah. Um, So, I've, I've done my ACL three times. Uh, Jesus. First time, first time was in a year 11 PE class. We were playing ultimate Frisbee. I jumped up to grab the Frisbee and someone decided to be a PE hero, come in and just completely took out my legs. Uh, and then, you know, ACL meniscus went uh, straight then. So then had the meniscus fixed. And then a few months later, had the ACL fixed. And it was all going all right. Um, I wasn't too desperate to get back to rugby just because I didn't really want to risk uh, doing my ACL and my rugby team at the time, I think was zero and eight. So I wasn't, I wasn't exactly <laughs> rushing to get back. Um, and then about five, five days before my first year 12 exam, got up off the couch, turned around the corner no. and all of a sudden. And uh, what I'd found out after I had scans done is I'd grown a bit of bone around the graft uh, where it's not meant to be. And so as soon as I twisted it, the bone just sliced straight through the meniscus and the ACL again. So about three days before my first year 12 exam, I was, I was having a, having my meniscus repaired. And then a few months later, I had the ACL done again. Uh, and then end of last year, about December, I was at a- Hang on, don't skip over that. Did you get out of your VCEs or did you have to go through with them? No, no, I had to go through with them. I had to go through with them. So, well, didn't, didn't get any perks either, which is a bit, which mm. is a bit of a shame. But we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later when we're talking about uni. But, um, but yeah, no, and then- Third time, it was in December. I was at a, a Christmas party, you know, all day. A few beverages may have been had. And I can imagine. A bit of, uh, bit of backyard NFL. And I, I thought I'd do a bit of an out route, you know, quick turn. And then all of a sudden went again. And uh, it got to the point where my surgeon, you know, he fixed my meniscus again. And then he said, look, let's not worry about the ACL. I think it's, I think it, I think it's had his time. <laughs> so, yes, currently I'm without ACL. Ah, oh, mate. Uh, first of all, I apologize. Ultimate Frisbee will tear your knees up. I know from firsthand experience, it's a very fun sport, dangerous and aggressive sport at times, but that's a journey and a half. But I'm glad to hear one, it hasn't happened in rugby union. So you've still got a rugby union career, potentially possible. Potentially. No, no major injuries I'm hearing, but also basketball. So I, I don't know much about your playing style. We'll get to basketball now. Uh, when did you first get into basketball? Because it, it might surprise you. I came to basketball a bit late in life. I had a hoop at home, but I grew up playing cricket, rugby league, rep sport. I didn't play my first game of organized basketball till I was 19. What about you? 
Right, well, this might surprise you, but I've never played a game of organized. Oh, you, I've got to kick you off our show, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm purely a watching uh, expert per se. I okay. I've never played never played professional or, or properly organized basketball. And um, yeah, when I was in boarding school, we used to play a bit of basketball out the back, um, and I was so much taller than everyone. I my stat, I was I was a shocking shooter. I can't hit a layup to save myself. So my stats would be about you know ten points and twenty five offensive rebounds because I just basically just rebounded back to myself we might be the same player it's it's a common game zone in australia it's it's a popular one yeah that's um we've we're gonna have to change that we're gonna have to get you your first organized game of basketball but so you played in in school a bit um never played as an adult when did you start watching the game because i particularly as a strange it's it's a strange thing you can remember but i can remember the first game of basketball i really watched and went oh man i really got into this do you have uh, like a light switch moment like that with your uh, spoiler alert, your Celtics fandom, or do you remember watching basketball early in life? No, so I didn't get into it fully until about 2017. Although that 2016 season and 2015 particularly, when when LeBron James kind of went back to Cleveland, I was kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, let's start watching this, and then sort of pick it up. And then after the 2016 finals, I was just like, I'm all in. Yeah. Um, which you know, how could you not be after those finals? Like, well, incredible. yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, uh, my at the time I was going back to Hong Kong during school holidays, and my my travel agent and my mother had booked it on the day of Game oh. Seven. So I was I was in the middle of the flight, and as a Cowboys fan as well, I would uh, you know, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but you are. But um, during the 20 uh, was it 16 Grand Final? 15, was, yeah, 15. I was on a plane back to Melbourne as well, so I missed that one too. So two of the best sporting moments of the last decade. I was on a plane for, unfortunately. I'm gonna just interject on the show. I was at the 2015 NRL Grand Final, so I was born in Brisbane, moved to Townsville at three years old. Um, the Cowboys didn't exist when I was born, so I grew up being a Broncos supporter. My dad's from Brisbane, and then you become a Cowboys supporter like through the early teams. They were terrible. You go to these games. There's a very long history of Cowboys fandom where a lot of the people in Townsville, North Queensland were so passionate and so hurt by the Cowboys just getting close, but getting robbed. And I I won't hijack this interview any further, but it became really difficult for a lot of people my age to become a Cowboys fan or stay a Cowboys fan because the emotional turmoil, which we might touch on later, is so big. So I went to the NRL Grand Final in 2015 in t- from Townsville on the Cowboys charter plane wearing a Broncos jersey. <laughs> and I, I changed, I took that jersey off at about 15 minutes to go. And I was like, I'm just embracing it for what I am. I'm from Townsville. I, I need to be here for this. So that's my quick 60 seconds on the NRL grand final, the best one of all time, the Cowboys versus the Broncos. But talking about that 2016 grand final, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where um, Cleveland win the comeback from a 3-1 deficit against the Golden State Warriors. LeBron James has his greatest plays of his career and, and what is certainly the greatest block in the history of organized basketball um, to save game seven on the road, win a championship for Cleveland. Is there something specific about that game that was like, hmm, I'm all in? Was it just LeBron's greatness? Was it, uh, what was it? I think it was it was coming back from three one. I think that yeah, was okay. that was the big one. Whereas you know LeBron and Curry had forty one apiece in that game five. Then LeBron went back to Cleveland had forty one, and then you go to that game seven. And you know I remember as soon as I landed in Hong Kong, got the result, went home, and I rewatched that whole game. And I, you know, I wasn't huge into basketball then, so for that I'd never really done anything like that before. And just seeing that block, that was when I'm like, I'm all in. Like, how can you not like like this sport? It's just insane. Yeah, as a neutral, that was like the best moment of NBA basketball for the last 10 years. And I'm, I'm glad for you, you got to watch it. Do you have any other connection with basketball? I noticed we've talked about very briefly, your dad may have been a bit influential in getting you into be a Celtic supporter. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I've done sort of the old-fashioned route where I just sort of inherited all my sports teams. Um, yeah, my mum's not a huge supporter, but my dad, he follows sports teams across the board. Um, you know, in the AFL with St Kilda, he, he's let me down there a bit. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> but then, you know, Celtics, uh, you know, even though we've only won one championship in my lifetime, they've always been competitive. So I can't complain too much, but yeah. Do you so remember, I, do you remember much about that 2010 champ, uh, 20, 2008 championship? I don't know if you would have been watching back then. No. So I wasn't, I wasn't watching much at all then. So like I knew we'd won it, but I, I was not, you know, anywhere near the fan I am now. So you've got the worst of both worlds. You've become a fan of like this historic club who up until two years ago tied for the most amount of championships, this legacy, all these Hall of Famers, and you've never seen them win. 
No, not once, but next season, next season. <laughs> okay, brutal. Yeah, I won't bring it up again. <laughs> um, we'll stick on the Celtics for a minute because for those of you who don't listen to the NBA show, uh, we talk a lot about our individual teams, about the league in general, and just people from... Uh, I'm a Raptors fan, but we might talk about the Knicks. Tom's a Celtics fan. We might talk about the coaching for the San Antonio Spurs. What we do try and bring to that show is a bit of personality and a bit of that emotional turbulence and attachment you can kind of irrationally have to teams. Uh, It's funny for you, Tom, because everyone else's team uh, has been pretty terrible this year. The Celtics made a real run of it, and it was one of the highlights of every episode is is reacting to your emotional ups and downs and the turmoil as the Celtics tried to stay within fighting distance. They got done by the boogeyman and the uh, Miami Heat again. Those of you who don't watch NBA basketball, I don't even know how I can explain what happened to the Celtics this year. Do you want to try and explain, Tom? Give us 30 seconds on the recent Celtics history. No, but I mean, the playoffs last season, you know, we we went in kind of thinking uh, Milwaukee, they were probably going to get through and be the best team in the East. Then all of a sudden the Bucs got knocked out round one and the thought process was, well, here we go. We've got an easy run to the finals. And then... You know, tripped up against Atlanta a couple of times, but beat them in six. Went down 3-2 against Philly and looked like we were going to get eliminated halfway through that fourth quarter in game six. Bounced it back. Tatum 51 points in game seven. Mm. And then went down 3-zip against Miami. It was all over. And, you know, I'd, I'd kind of just come to terms with it. Then all of a sudden it was 3-1, then 3-2. And then with about, what, three seconds left in game six, it was it looked like it was over. And then, you know, we, we were about to record a show and then out of nowhere, Marcus Smart heaves that shot up. Derek White comes in, like, you know, puts it in. And that's what I kind of thought. Maybe maybe it's the sports gods just going, all right, it's, it's Celtics. They're making the finals here. Like, And then, yeah, 30-something seconds into game seven, Tatum rolls his ankle and we never look close after that. But, yeah, it was it was a heartbreaking. To come back from three zip down and just get blown out at home was, was just... Next, it's heartbreaking. You know? It is like a rookie coach. You've got all these complicated pieces too. I think that's why people like you and I really love the NBA. Is there's certainly an athletic standpoint where uh, I enjoy watching good basketball, good teamwork, but there's such a drama around the individual stories. There's enough people on teams where these stories overlap. So, for example, the Celtics, they've got two young bucks who both think they're the top guard. They both want to be the best. They both want to prove it in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. they got a new head coach who's about the same age as the players, it seems like. He's early 30s, I think. So there's like this kind of mismatched energy. There's a historic element to the franchise as we've done things a certain way. We've, it's very, very interesting. So some people, they look at basketball and go, oh, I'm just not into that sport, but a lot of the time the use and eyes and maybe not our co-host Yuri, he's very analytical, but it's the drama and, and some of these organized elements around the periphery of the product of sport that draw people in. Um, one of the things that happens with that is I've noticed in, uh, in my circles, my friends who love the NBA travel overseas and watch games uh, in America for the most part. Have you been to NBA games? What was that like? Tell me about the experience. You've had to have been to one. Yeah, no. So I've been, I've been twice. So yeah, I was one, right. <laughs> yeah, one, one was in uh, 2018 when uh, I saw the Celtics play the Nets in Brooklyn, and this is when we, you know, we had Kyrie and everything. And my, my poor dad marched all throughout uh, uh, New York during a blizzard to get myself a Kyrie Irving jersey. You can <laughs> buy one for love or money anywhere because everyone wanted one. And uh, then they're not worth much and, at the moment, are they? No, they're not. But maybe, maybe you know, a few years might okay. be a heritage item, hopefully. But um, no, and then you know, saw Tatum take over that game as a rookie, and he he hit a three and he had a dunk to to win the game, and that's when I you know immediately regretted buying a Curry one for a, for a Tatum one. And then uh, in 2022, you know, halfway through the Celtics season, uh, we were you know what 500. It looked like we were going nowhere, and then. All of a sudden, we flipped the switch, turned it around, and then at the start of the playoffs, I said, "If we if we make the finals, I'll I'll jump on a plane, I will spend my life savings." And uh, you know, I didn't think we were going to get through Durant and Kyrie, and then go on and get through the Bucks, and then go on and get through the Heat, and then you know, it looked like we were going to lose to the Bucks at one point, and then against the Heat when we blew Game Six at home, I thought it's over, and then next minute we win Game Seven, and Jimmy misses that three, and. I you know a week later I'm on a on a plane and uh, off to Boston and watched uh, wow. all three home games. 
That's incredible. Let's talk more about that because one, men of your word, I'm very impressed. But two, um, the NBA finals is a spectacle in itself. So uh, talk me through those three home games. Um, for those of you who don't watch basketball, Boston did lose the NBA finals last year uh, to the Golden State Warriors. Um, talk me through those three home games in Boston. What was the atmosphere like? Had you been to Boston before? Anything? Because that's an incredible experience going through the NBA finals. Yeah, no, so I've never been to Boston before. Um, I mean, I'd been to New York, but we just never made the trip to Boston, which, you know, looking back on it now was really silly, but it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of special, you know, the first time we to Boston was for the finals. Um, and so we landed there on the morning of uh, game three. And at that point, the series was 1-1 and we'd stolen home court advantage and, you know, anything was happening. And then, you know, I went with my dad and we got there about three hours before the first tip-off. And even then, the atmosphere outside the the stadium was just building. It was nuts. There's just people everywhere wearing green. Um, and then we got in, sat in our seats, and then you watch Steph Curry warm up, and he starts off underneath the basket, and he's just making <laughs> everything. And he slowly goes out and out and out, and then eventually he's near the half court line, and he's not missing anything. And I've gone on. Oh, no, that's like a it's psychological fun. warfare element. Oh, to that. That's unfair. It is. It is. It, anyone listening, if you ever do go to an uh, NBA game that Steph Curry's in, go watch him warm up because it is like it's worth the price of admission almost. It's just nuts what he does. But then you know, eventually the crowd started piling in, and it's it's by far and away the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of. It's it's about nineteen thousand. Uh, it fits about nineteen thousand people. But they're loud, and they Boston fans are known as some of the most passionate in in the you know, NBA, let alone the world of sports. And sitting there, uh, the first basket I think might have been a Horford three or a Brown three. I can't remember exactly, but they hit a three, and he could have sworn it was a buzzer beater to win the whole thing. Like the crowd just erupted; you couldn't hear anything. And at the end, Draymond Green got ejected from the game, or fouled out of the game, and the crowd went nuts. And then. To basically seal the game, Al Horford threw up a lob to Rob Williams, who, you know, he's known for doing that. And the whole crowd just erupted. And I, you couldn't even hear your own voice. It's I've never been in a room or arena or anything that loud. And you know, even just talking about it now, I can just remember being there and you just get goosebumps. And it's just unreal, one of the eh? best. Oh, it's unreal. And then walking out, everyone's just going nuts. And because, you know, up 2-1 with the next game at home, everyone kind of thought, we're on here. Yeah. And... Next day, it was literally like a, you know, a cartoon sort of movie where you walk out, everyone's just joyous. And, we don't, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you might get that in Townsville with the Cowboys, but in Melbourne with footy, because we've got 10 teams here, everyone yeah. goes for a different team. You can walk in a room and say who you support and you'll get nine different answers. Whereas everyone in Boston is going for the Celtics. And mm. it's literally just everyone is so joyous and it just erupts and they're so happy. And, you know, they'd hear like my dad and, and myself accent and go, why are you here? Like you're... Yeah, you're not further <laughs> off here. We're here from you know Melbourne, Australia to watch the finals. Like you came all this way for that. It's like, yes. Yeah. Like, wow, you must be a real big fan. It's like, yes. Um, and they just loved you for it. And it was just an experience and a half. And then game four, you know, we were up by a bit in uh, the fourth quarter and then completely stalled our offense. And Steph Curry, you know, had what 44 points or something. One of his probably prob- I will argue it's probably his most important performance of his career. And yeah, it sucked that it was happening against my team, but being being in the arena for what will go down as one of the most historic performances from one of the best players ever was nuts. And, you know, it, it, it helps being surrounded by people who care just as much as you because, you know, you go out the streets in Melbourne, you, you know, oh, I'm upset about a basketball game. They go, well, you know, get over it. Whereas there, everyone's <laughs> just upset. And, you know, went to game six as well. And you could tell from the get-go, just we weren't going to bring it. And it was basically over. And then, you know, the next... 24 hours in Boston was like a funeral and it was literally just like everyone was so upset and they're like this sucks we've just lost our chance at a title and you'd go and you know we'd get breakfast and the waiter's just like yep how you going hi yeah. and, like, uh, and it's just and like and that, that is one of the things that I just I love about one you know town one team town sports everyone feels it and everyone all the eggs in one basket it. absolutely right everyone is so emotionally invested so to touch on being in Townsville, even like my partner her friends that don't watch football they don't really care they are emotionally invested because the whole towns ride these waves and i imagine it's the same even in a big town like boston but they don't have more than one basketball team so everybody's all in um i have a, a really funny um take on these big sports like so you're in the TD Garden in Boston 
How did you interact with the fans there? Because every time I've been to a new city or a new setting and there's 19,000 people in the environment, it's always this like community of sports where for two to three hours, you kind of feel that everyone leaves their stuff outside and it singularly focuses on what's going on. So to give you an example, I went... For some reason, back in 2011, I ended up in Miami when WrestleMania 28 was there from the WWE. And this was the WrestleMania where I think John Cena and The Rock had a match. And my dad and I were traveling. We're like, let's go get tickets. And I had so many people just around me just wanted to talk about where I was from, sports where I was from. I knew what was happening in the WWE at the time, but they were explaining things to my dad. Some guy hugged my dad when The Rock won against John Cena. Like, did you have any of those community kind of they're very uplifting moments that make you think okay sports is this one thing that makes my life so rich not everyone has that did you have one of those moments in boston um sort of i mean just being in the arena when they won that game three everyone was just up on their feet jumping and it didn't matter who you were you were just jumping up next to the person and just you know fist pumping and shouting and enjoying it and everything and you know people you i i was wearing at the time a uh, one of those special edition sort of jerseys that Nike, you know, they roll out about 10 jerseys every year nowadays, but I had yeah. one from about from Tatum's second year. And so a few other people had it as well. And they're like, Oh my God, we've got the same Jersey. And huh. it was just stuff like that. And it is it like, that's it, the best thing about sport. Um, although on the flip side, after game six, I went to the bathroom <laughs> and uh, literally everyone, half the fans in there were shouting that we should trade Tatum and he's never going to be good enough to win a championship. So it has its ebbs and flows. Hey, they could have been right. You haven't won one yet. We'll see. We'll see. Well, okay, I'll leave that. Speaking of Tatum, is he your favorite player in the Celtics? Yeah. So currently is, and I mean, look, because I haven't been watching basketball for that long, I'd have to say like, all time he probably is. I mean, I, I love Jordan, but obviously never got to watch him play live um, on TV or in person. And, you know, just with Tatum, it's, it's because I got into the Celtics massively in 2017 with Isaiah Thomas's sort of last year. And then we yeah. drafted Tatum. And then, I, you know, I was sort of in on Tatum early. And then when I went to that game in January 2018 and saw Tatum take over and win it, that's when I was like, all right, this is going to be my guy going forward. And then his second year, he wasn't, yeah, he had some good moments and bad moments. And I'm like, oh, no, if I put all my eggs in the wrong basket. And then, Third year when Kari had left and Tatum sort of had that massive explosion. He made the all-star. And then it was when he put 41 on LeBron and Davis in LA uh, for a Sunday showcase game. That's when I'm like, all right, I, I, I have my full faith in this guy. And he, he's really let me down since. There's been a few playoff moments that I'd like to be a bit better. But that, that Philly series, game six and seven, I, I, was, I was very much uh, felt redeemed for backing him in. Yeah, he had an awful couple of games beforehand and then, yeah, explodes when it matters in the last quarter, I think, of game six, if I'm stretching that memory. Yeah. Um, an interesting question. Somebody asked me this 10 years ago about sports and it's stuck in my brain ever since. If you could choose to be a supporter of any basketball team, would you choose to be a Celtic supporter again? Or has it been such a negative or overwhelming? Or is there somewhere else you could try and justify going to? Because it's really interesting if when you take a moment to think about it, where your allegiance is and if you're happy with the experience that sport has given you. Yeah, that's just, that's an interesting one. I mean, if you wanted success, I mean, the Golden State Warriors in basketball terms won, what, four in the last seven years or six years or something? Yes, close. Um, close, but I don't know. It, it, it's kind of interesting because the Celtics are one of those big teams that everyone sort of knows of, but at the same time, they've only won one championship since eight, 19, 1986. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they've had success in the last 40-odd years. Um, so, you know, and everyone hates them, but at the, at the same time, it's not like they're Miami where they've had LeBron or Golden State Warriors where they got Durant. And so, I don't know, it, it, it's hard because I'm so, uh, yeah, I can be so biased at times. It's hard for me to think about supporting another team. I mean, it, it'd be fun. It'd be kind of fun to support the Nuggets at the moment with, with Jokic and, you know, watching him prove all the doubters. And I was a bit envious of Milwaukee in 2021 when they won that title after, you know, everyone had said Giannis can't win a title. He's mm. not good enough. And sort of watching that community as well sort of all just erupt when they did win that, you know, I think it was what, their first title in 50 odd years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Alexander J again here, just checking in halfway into our interview with Tom. If you like what you've heard so far, consider following and rating the show wherever you've been listening to us from today. If you have suggestions or want us to interview somebody in particular, you can get in touch with the show via email, 
mojosportsnetwork at gmail.com or we answer all our DMs on Instagram. That's at mojosportsnetwork. Back to our chat. Let's change gears and focus more on the sports media and sports writing and your journey around that. Um, I have read a lot of your pieces. You periodically publish stuff on the raw.com in AFL and NBA terms. When did you first kind of think about uh, constructing written pieces, either opinion articles or research or whatever you were doing? When did that kind of start to formulate in your brain as a thing that you might do? So my, my sort of like whole journey into sort of sport journalism has sort of like three different sort of parts. And then, you know, Lovely. eventually Feinkman. Let's go eventually through Feinkman. all yeah, yeah, no, it's a bit of a long story. But so in 2000... I've got the time. <laughs> well, yeah, you got me booked out too. So you're all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, No, so in 2009, my dad moved to Hong Kong, but because there wasn't enough places in schools, my sister and I and my mum had to stay in Melbourne for another year. Um, And coincidentally, 2009 was the year that St Kilda really took off and they won, I think, 18 of their first games Mm. and just went absolutely nuts and were premiership favourites for pretty much the whole entire season. Um, And, you know, dad wasn't here and he'd normally take me to the games, but he wasn't here, obviously. So mum, mum self unselfishly took me and uh, <laughs> any time she could during her weekends would take me to these games. And then back then, you know, kids these days know everything about the internet, but back in 2009 as a nine-year-old, I knew nothing. Nothing. So I didn't really understand the concept that uh, if, if someone wanted to look up the AFL score, you can literally just go online and you've got it all there. So I thought that dad, dad's only way of finding out these scores was if I'd go home and, and type them up a little mini report. Um, <laughs> so mum would let me use her email and I'd remember maybe like three moments in the game and I'd write up and I'd say, you know, player X did this and player you know, Y did this and they kicked a goal and we won by 15, 20 points or whatever it was and then yeah. I'd set it off. And, you know, that was when I sort of first went, oh, yeah, I kind of like, you know, watching sport and talking about it and writing mm. about it. But that was, you know, nine years old didn't really think too much about it and then maybe about three or four years later i started you know, i was big in the well, i still am big into watching tv shows but back then i was just basically watching any kind of sitcom you could get and living in hong kong you can get you know your nice little fake pirated dvds just quite cheaply um and so you know picked up like the whole box set of everybody loves raymond which i don't know if you've seen that show or i not. i've seen a lot of it. it used to be on heavy rotation back in my parents house when i was growing up yeah well well, the main guy, Raymond, in it, is a sports uh, journalist himself uh, in New York. And I just remember watching one episode where it was a Sunday morning and the whole family has to go out to church and then Raymond and then Raymond just doesn't go. And then the kids are like, well, why can't, why doesn't he have to go? And he goes, well, I have to stay home and work. And then he sits and watches, watches sport. And I'm like, that is the job I would love to be it's doing. It's crazy. I have the same memory of watching that episode about Raymond staying home from church. And I went, you get to do that? Unreal. I, didn't, yeah, that's, I never yeah. thought anyone else would have that memory. No, yeah, I, that, that's just stuck firm with me because that was when I was really like, oh, like, you know, my family's not religious, so I was never going to church on Sunday morning, but just any commitment that I didn't want to do, yeah. I was just thinking it'd be fantastic to just say, oh, no, I've got to stay home and work and then just proceed to watch sport for like 60 hours straight. And yeah. I'm just like, that's the dream. But, you know, I, I kind of didn't really buy into it then either. I was about 13, 14 went through school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, went and saw one of those sort of career counsellor people. And basically they just gave me a list of stuff and went, what here looks you know, the, the best out of a bad bunch. And basically I landed on marketing. Hmm. And that is what I decided that I was going to do if you know I got the ATAR required out of my exams and everything. And then obviously, like I said before, did my knee right before my exam. And I, I, I wasn't going to be a doctor before I did my knee, that's for sure. Uh, but it certainly didn't help with the exams. Um, and so, you know, first few exams I did all right in, but then I kind of just threw the towel in a bit, which, you know, my parents are listening, <laughs> apologies, but, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think for one of my maths exams, I was actually watching the Celtics and the Bucks play, um, which was good revision. You know, we, we set the franchise records for three in that game. So it was, that's what's important. Yeah. It's important. I remember that. I, you know, I don't remember any, anything useful coming out of that. Trigonometry. Exam, so I bet you've never used trigonometry. Not once. So, exactly. you know, no point. Um, but no, so then, you know, got my ATAR, wasn't what I wanted it to be and I wasn't going to be able to do marketing or anything. And then basically, I, you know, like most people who don't do as well in their year 12 exams, I thought my life was over. Uh, and so I proceeded to basically just, after the first round of offers came out and I didn't really get into anything that I wanted to do, I basically just proceeded to look through the list of what the ATARs were. And then I'm, out of nowhere, I just see this Latrobe University course, Sport Journalism, and I'm like, 
you know, basically since I was nine years old, this is what I've kind of wanted to do. I just didn't know that you could go straight into uni and do sport journalism because mm. regular journalism doesn't completely interest me and having to write news stories and stuff. I don't think I have the ability. Obviously I can do it, but I just don't. Enjoy the patience. It. Yeah. The patience. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, you know, and especially when you start off doing all the fluff pieces and stuff and, you know, I had to do some through uni and it was just not. Are, are you calling this a fluff piece, Tom? Oh no, this is hard hitting journalism. Yeah, this is, this is it. I'm, this is expose. I'm just waiting for this to turn the tables on me. Um, I put a soundtrack behind this, like a ticking time bomb. Like something's yeah. going to come this up is- next with Tom Dev. Tom reveals his deepest secrets. Finish sixty minutes of current affair. Feel about it. I don't yeah. mind. Um, but no. So yeah, and then basically saw that my my A time met the requirement. Put in the application. Got through, and then have never looked back. And you know. It's funny. I, I often say that my ultimate Frisbee was my downfall, but really, had it not been for ultimate Frisbee, who knows? A sliding doors moment to borrow a phrase from our favourite podcaster, Bill Simmons. I know you listen to him a lot too. Uh, talk me through that sport journalism degree at Latrobe because uh, probably six or seven years before you went to university for that, I was eligible for a similar degree and chased a different pathway through physiotherapy, which ended horrendously. But what was your life like going to Latrobe and studying sports journalism? Did you find it cumbersome? Did you find it enjoying? Did you get to the later years and went, this is definitely what I want to do? Did you graduate and not know what kind of path to follow? How was that entire experience for you? Yeah, so the first year was was quite good. Um, it wasn't as sport focused as I'd like. You sort mm. of go in, you start to get the basic journalism, you know, trainings, best way to write articles, what you can and can't say. And it was still enjoyable, but it wasn't as good as I, I, I thought it was going to be. Um, and then next year, COVID hit, and unfortunately, it all just got completely derailed. Um, and, and it was quite bad because the subjects I was doing in my second year were quite sports-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up deferring my first semester just because there was no sport going on in the world at the start of 2020. And so there was nothing to write about, nothing to talk about. And all my, <laughs> all my subjects were basically just, you know, oh, we're just going to, you know, do mock reports. We'll, we'll give you a random footy game. You have to just watch it, make a mock yeah. report. I'm like, that's just not as exciting as what it could be. So I figured I'd just defer it. I'm, you know, I'm young. I'm not in a rush to get out of uni. Um, and then, you know, once the year after, once sort of COVID calmed down in Melbourne, you know, it was a bit on and off because, uh, you know, our lockdown here was just horrendous and yeah. going in and out. Um, but then eventually sort of got to go in a rhythm. And, you know, the stuff that I did do, I quite enjoyed whether that was writing or you know we did a podcasting uh class as well that's where you get your skills from geez exactly it's paid off in the end um and then you know do some like filming and you know all that sort of stuff and you know i really enjoyed it but to be honest with you the the stuff i enjoy the most is when i get to just sit down at my computer and go i'm gonna write about this you know Mm. i'm gonna write about that i have an opinion about this or you know and for me personally, the best is when I'm sitting on a couch and all of a sudden my phone buzzes and it's a Twitter alert and I'm like, oh my God, I know what I can write about this. You know, when 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 I was sitting on my couch at you know 5 p.m. on a Wednesday or whatever and the Kevin Durant trade suddenly happened to the Suns, I was like thinking, I'm like, what can I say? And within 30 seconds, I had it, clicked it, sat on my computer and I think I wrote like a 2,000 word piece, just bang, banged it out. And I'm like, this is what I really want to do. Like, this is the kind of stuff that I just love doing. Yeah, so you've clearly got that passion behind it that can drive that action and the energy. So a lot of people don't have that, Tom. Like you really should be, I don't want to say you should be lucky, but you should be proud of yourself that you're kind of ingraining yourself in a pathway with something you're passionate about because you shouldn't take that for granted. I know I'm not that much older than you, but it's a very difficult thing to get right. And it sounds like you're having some fun doing it at the moment anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, shout out to our podcast. Definitely listen to that. That is <laughs> that is that is one of the highlights of my week when you know you get to just come on and just talk basketball for about fifty five minutes to an hour straight. Um, and even better if it does happen in a week that the Celtics happen to, to play particularly well. pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> Tom, what's your favorite player of the week? Oh, it's Jason Tatum. Like you've always got that ready to go. Yeah, it helps yeah. a lot. Do you have a favorite piece that you've written so far? I know that's a difficult question to to answer because. If you're anything like me, you do so much, you've got so many ideas and you can't really remember a lot of it. Do you have a specific piece that's either your favorite or was shaping the way that you responded to something else in the future? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to quickly get my, uh, my, my archive up here and, and remember some of the ones I've written. But there was, one that, I, <laughs> there was one that I did really like, um, which is a while ago, but it was during the NBA playoffs in the bubble when... Um, when the Celtics were about to get eliminated by the Heat 
and Tyler Hero was just absolutely destroying us. Um, and, you know, as a Celtics fan, I knew that back, you know, during the draft, the season prior, we were trying to draft Tyler Hero and we were tied with the record with Miami and I think Sacramento or something or because we, ha- we had the rights to the Sacramento's pick or something like that or Memphis's, I can't particularly remember. But basically the tiebreaker rule is you flip a coin and then, you know, the coin toss ended up going in Miami's favour. And so basically I, I labelled it a series defined by a coin toss and sort of just went through how crazy it is that if the Celtics had won that coin toss, you know, who knows, maybe we would have won that series. I do remember reading that article actually when we first started working together on Mojo and oh, let me see what Jack's doing. Let me see what Tom's doing. I remember reading that article about the, the coin flip. So uh, it stuck with me long enough to remember that. So well done. Um, another piece of advice or maybe I'll shift gears. What is a piece of advice that you would give to someone following behind you in a similar path? Somebody who's interested in sports journalism or has made it through sports journalism. Have you gone through enough experiences to be able to recommend a specific software, uh, something to watch, something to do, just in case someone's listening to this going, this all sounds like something I want to do. Help them out, Tom. Give them one piece of advice. Yeah, I, I don't know how much ground I have to stand on when it comes to giving out advice. But, not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> But uh, look, my, my, my one thing is like, you know, don't lose the passion. I think we see that with a bit of sports journalism where they sort of, sports journalists where they sort of come in and they just go, I need to be really professional and I need to behave in a manner where I'm basically robotic and not. Mm. And, you know, that's one of the things I do like about Bill Simmons. Like, obviously, we're very aligned because we're both Celtic supporters, but he'll get on and he'll basically be like, this is the worst day of my life because the Celtics have lost, you know, they've gone down 3-2 in a series or 3-zip in a series or whatever. And I'm like, that's what I want to hear. Like, obviously, it's nice to get all the analytical and all those points out. But when mm. those journalists are like, oh, well, I don't really follow a team anymore. I just follow the league. I'm like, you just want to, you want to have that love for the game. And, you know, there's a few AFL journalists who are even like, when they go to the media box and if they have to, you know, if they're reporting on their team and they get a little bit passionate, they just get dirty looks apparently. And I'm it's like, you know, we uh. want to talk about these games because when we grew up, we were so passionate about our team and we just, we loved the game itself. And I just, I never want to lose that passion. And, you know, There'll be times, you know, like when Derek White did hit that buzzer beater and we went on and did a podcast 15 minutes after and I was just an emotional wreck. <laughs> where it, it, it's not it's not as professional as, as you know, you'd want it to be. But at the same time, that's just the joy of sport, you know. And sport's one of those things where the emotions just completely come out and you can be so emotionally invested in something you have zero control in. And to not be able to vent or to celebrate and just to act robotic, I think, just loses so much of its your human element. I wholeheartedly agree with that. That's If somebody asked me what to do, I probably would have said something similar. If you're wondering why I live in Townsville, clearly a big rugby league fan and I'm never on the NRL show. It's because one, those guys do a great job. But two, I don't have a need to be passionate about that. I can't sit down and be analytical about those Cowboys games. I need to have a drink. I need to sit down. I need to get angry at like Patahiku for playing terrible that game. The passion about sports is what makes it fun. It's enriching life. You ride the ups and downs and there's experiences you can have through that passion that you don't really get through any other avenue, except maybe TV shows. Like, let's touch on that really briefly. Um, What do you enjoy? This is the first I'm hearing about Tom Dev really enjoying TV shows. Do you write about TV? Do you just love watching it? Do you binge? Give me something, Tom. Give me something on TV. So, like... To put it in a sports sense, just to start off with, it kind of is like following a sports team, but everyone goes for the same team if they watch that show. So it's kind of fun, you know, sort of like watching it in that way. And, you know, I, like I just love, it's, it's, when it's good entertainment, it's good writing or whatever. So a show that I really love was Succession, which, you know, ended it. I don't know if you watched it, but it ended I haven't few, seen a minute of it, but I know it's just ended recently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't recommend that one more, but I, I just, it's, it's just nice when, you know, it's a good TV show, you watch it. Um, I don't know, maybe one day I, I might want to write a TV show of my own, but I don't know if I've got the, the patience or the talent for that, but who knows, always worth trying. You don't need um, the talent, you don't need the patience, you just need the connections and you need to start, mate. We've some. Exactly. I'm sure if you're anything like me, you've watched some terrible TV shows, so they can't have been too talented to get them on the air. You just need to get the time in, but never say never. If there's anything I can do to help you make <laughs> writing a TV show easier, let me know. Listeners, if you're out there, you know how to write a TV show, get in touch. At Mojo Sports Network. Uh, all right, let's talk about Mojo. That's a really good segue, Alex. Well done, host. How did you find out about the Mojo Sports Network? Um, what drove you to reaching out? Did you want to be a panelist on the NBA show? Did you want to do AFL work? Uh, talk to me about Mojo. So uh, I had a friend, um, shout out Thomas Whiting, 
if you're listening, doubt it. But anyway, we'll see. Um, but he, he does this weird thing where he just likes looking at jobs for his friends. So, you know, I have a casual job, but I don't have a full-time journalist job. Um, and so he was looking through this one website where they, they just chuck up sports jobs in Australia, where whether it be junior coaching or, you know, writing for the Herald Sun or whatever. Um, and he sent me through this one that was, you know, a content producer for the Melbourne Rebels. Um, and I, I, as soon as I you know, saw the website, I went, all right, I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm going to type up NBA and see if there's anything in Australia because it's worth looking. And then that's when the Mojo podcast uh, NBA show panelist one came up and I went, oh, no harm in applying. And then Ben Ben, uh, ben called me a couple of times and I might have missed his calls uh, a couple of times, but he <laughs> luckily didn't move on to the next candidate. He stuck with me and yeah, joined the show ever since. And, you know, I, I'm so glad I did because it is so much fun and also... But it's just it's great knowing that like I've tried podcasting now and it is thoroughly enjoyable and it's what I really want to see myself doing in the future. A shout out to our COO Ben McQueen. I like to say he's he's our executive producer, but he gives me some very loose notes, so he gets the smallest amount of credit for the show. But shout out to Ben. Uh, where do you see this career going in sports journalism? Do you want to stay locally? Do you like covering the NBA? Do you think there's a market in the NBL? What do you want to do with your career? You're still very young. You can do whatever you want, Tom. Yes, no. So, I mean, I'm 23, but I do feel like I'm a bit older. Oh, um, you got plenty of time, mate. Trust me. <laughs> but look, I mean, the, the the aim and the dream is to cover the NBA in America. Um, I, I'd love to sort of cover the whole entire league broadly, but who knows? Um, I mean, look, no secret, I really like Bill Simmons, but uh, his company is very aligned with me with the fact that it's, you know, it's NBA mainly, but it's also TV, movies, you get a bit of NFL and a lot of pop culture and everything. And that's sort of what I love. And in an ideal world, that's sort of the environment I'd love to work in eventually. Um, but also just being a beat reporter for one of these NBA teams is just, you know, I follow quite a few Celtics ones and also some other ones from other teams. And it just seems like so much fun following a team around. And especially when, you know, an unexpected sort of thing happens. So like even just from the Celtics in that 22 season where it was, it's over, they need to trade either Brown or Tatum, it's done. All the articles were, let's panic, this is awful. All of a sudden you get this turnaround and it's just a complete 180 and you just see the emotions just change. Mm. And you can kind of just document all throughout the year, like through podcasts and you know articles, how quickly that turns around. And it's just like following a team is just sort of, you know, I think one of the best things in sports that you can do as a journalist. Yeah, that pathway is definitely achievable too. For those listening and think, oh, that's a bit of a stretch. How's he going to get over there? There's multiple examples in the last three years of Australians going over, getting media passes, becoming beat reporters, either paid or unpaid with teams. I'll use, um, there's a guy who was the beat reporter for the Milwaukee Bucks, Kane Pittman, shout out to Kane. He went over unpaid during COVID, like didn't, he had to pay for his rooms, he had to pay for his meals, but he had a media pass with the Bucks and he was traveling with the guys who were being paid to be there full time. He did a year with them just off of his savings and then got picked up by ESPN. He's the guy on ESPN at the moment, if you turned on the finals three weeks ago, giving the presentations at quarter time, second quarter time, third quarter time. And it all happened because he had the balls to go over there and try something, he committed to it. He's one of like four stories I've seen like that in the last couple of years of Aussies just giving it a crack. These skillful guys with some amount of charisma that can either read a teleprompter or, or know enough about the game. So it's a super achievable pathway, mate. And I'd be doing it if I didn't have a house and a dog. Like there's certainly in the cards for you. Um, my final question before we get to our panic questions is what's next for Tom? Difficult question. What's next for you, mate? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm just sort of exploring all different avenues to get over to the States. Um, I'm gonna, I am heading there in November for a trip, um, just for a month. And, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'll copy Kane Pittman and, and <laughs> see what I can do. But yeah, just waiting for the NBA schedule basically to completely map out where I'm going. But no, they're excited about that. And then, yeah, next year, I, I, I've got to really, you know, butt knuckle down and sort of work out, you know, if I either start trying to get a job here or if I, you know, do copy Kane Pittman legitimately and just go over there and try and, you know, you know, measle Make my your way. way. Yeah. Uh, ben, if you're listening to this, our COO, can we arrange a media pass? Cause we've got some connections in, I'm just trying to think we, we've got a couple of people we know through our networks who are player agents, but all their players just got traded. So I'm trying to think of where they've ended up. Um, where's Jock Landau now? <laughs> I've forgotten. Uh, Houston. Houston. And uh, Jack White, where's he? Okay. Yeah. See? Yeah, OKC. Okay, so we've got some connections in Houston and OKC. It's not Boston, mate, but it's 
it's, it's close enough. We'll see. So, Ben, if you're listening, get us a media pass. We're a media organization. We can figure that out. All right, Tom, 45 minutes in. Time for our panic questions. If you're listening to this for the first time, which you are, because this is the first episode in our series we're doing, it's basically a lightning round. I haven't prepared Tom. We're just going to panic him and he makes him, we have to, he's got to answer really quickly. I'll, I'll switch up the music here. We'll get some up-tempo beats. That's good. Panic questions, Tom, are you ready? Uh, as ready as I'm going to be. Who is your hero? You know what? I, I'm praising him a lot already. I'm, I'm going to say Bill Simmons, just, just for everything he did. I mean, if, if, if you're listening to this and if you're still listening to this at least, um, and you, you don't know Bill Simmons' story, go and look it up. I mean, you know, he started basically just writing out emails for, for you know, a weekly for his friends, sort of yeah. sports report. Yeah, for his friends and whoever was interested. And now he, he sold his company last year to Spotify for 200 million and he's got one of the most listened to podcasts in the world, which is just nuts. What's your biggest fear? I reckon like, you know, it's like the phrase dying wandering, you know, not not mm. exploring every sort of avenue and just sort of going, oh, it's too hard and sort of sitting back and going, nah, and not knowing if, you know, if I'd done that, what would have happened? Me, I would have said the ocean. If you live anywhere, where would it be, mate? Well, I'd have to say, if money's not an object, I'd have to say probably New York, I reckon. Oh, right. Okay. What makes you laugh the most? Oh, self. Oh, clearly. Yeah, let's move straight past that one. And a very serious question to end the podcast. If you had to lose one of your five senses, which one would it be? So, so there's what? Touch, smell, sight. There could be hearing. more than five and I just wrote down five. But if you had to no, lose one of five. your senses. Oh. So if I lose touch, does that mean I just I lose my, my, my limbs or? You'd still have arms and legs, mate. You just wouldn't be able to feel anything. Oh, that's a really funny answer. <laughs> yeah, I might have to go. I don't know because I don't want to lose my hearing and I don't want to lose my sight. Um, you see why anyway. I left this question to last? It's a great. Yeah, question. it's a great question. It's the, the, this is going to be my next conversation starter at my next uh, dinner party. That's for sure. But I was patting myself on the back when I thought of this one. Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> like, there's no way I can lose taste. I don't want to lose food, and then oh, smell. I'm, is smell yeah, important here? I'd probably have to go with smell, to be honest with you. Okay, Tom, thank you very much for joining us in the first episode of this season of In Focus. Anything we didn't touch on that you think is vitally important for our listeners, your friends, Mojo Sports Network panelists to listen to, uh, where can we read you? What have you got to say? The floor is yours. Yeah, no, obviously, uh, Mojo Network uh, NBA show. Catch, catch me on there and then, you know, read me on the Roar. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a Damien Lillard article up in the works. Uh, so I'll hopefully have that one up soon. Mm. And then uh, Footy Live app, I have a weekly article up there as well. So that's where you can read me, listen to me. Love us that partnership with Footy Live app. Tom, thanks very much. I'm glad we did this. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for sticking all the way through the episode. What did you think? As mentioned, feel free to get in touch with the show via email or on our socials to let us know. Consider leaving us a five-star review that helps us out in the podcast rankings. I've been Alexander J. This has been fun and we'll see you for the next episode of In Focus very soon.